Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, in our weekly review of InfoSec News, we discuss ZOMG, Azure's giving us the blues. And then, buckle up, the captain has turned on the data theft sign. And of course, as always, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 97, recorded on September 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Tim Punfight at the Golden Corral Helming. With me, co-host Chad O-M-G-W-T-F-L-O-L-C-V-E Anderson. And let's give a warm Breaking Badness welcome to Dan, receding airline Fernandez. Awesome. Uh, Dan, first time, right? Howdy. Yes, my first time. Excited to be here. Awesome. It's great to have you here. Chad, how's tricks? Um, as good as it ever gets. Uh, what? Wait, what did you say, Chad? How's it? <laughs> I, I said, how's tricks? How's tricks? Yeah. You never heard that one before, huh? No, no. It's, it's for kids. That's all I know. Yeah. that's Well, that's good. <laughs> that's appropriate. <laughs> All right. Well, there's been news, uh, as I guess always. And um, uh, just as an aside, you know, this is the day that we're recording. This is the day J Chad pointed out that uh, iOS 15 dropped. So hopefully everybody, uh, as you're listening to this, you've already gotten your fill of the latest and greatest news about what's, uh, what's new. Anything really stand out in that one to either of you guys? In the iOS 15 update? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of video enhancements, um, you know, fun little bits like improvements in the Maps app and uh, the way photos work. And now FaceTime works with Android users, so um, oh, don't cool. have to use Hangouts to speak to the folks anymore. Um, live text is pretty cool. You just like take a photo of a, a sign and you just copy the text with, you know, your, your usual three finger swipe and paste it into a note. All useful stuff um, if you're a iOS fanboy. This week, Breaking Badness brought to you by Apple. That's A-A-P-L. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, not really. Um, but uh, hopefully some security uh, enhancements as well. Or at least nothing breaks from a security standpoint. Well, since a brand new, fresh, uh, major upgrade release and the bugs in the RC were pretty huge, uh, I would be willing to bet it probably introduces new attack services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? All right. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see if we have a, an actual security story on iOS in episode 98 or 99 or so. But before that, let's talk about our stories of the week. So first up, ZOMG, Microsoft, Azure's lots of mischief ahead. Well, once again, nobody beats the whiz. The researchers uh, over at Wiz.io, who've been on a real tear recently, announced a vulnerability you could drive the proverbial truck through in Linux VMs on Azure. So to begin with, Chad, some folks may not even realize that you can run Linux on Azure. So let's start with that. Set the scene for our tale of woe before we get to the actual vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, certainly. So yeah, you can run Linux on Azure. Uh, they wouldn't have a cloud for platform if they only ran Windows. Uh, in fact, because most of the planet runs on Linux, um, despite Windows Server still being around to torture us. Uh, so in fact, Linux is so prevalent now that Windows has the Windows subsystem for Linux, right? Which allows running Linux binaries on Microsoft Windows. And this 
of course, opens up windows to a whole new host of attack vectors, as we also saw this week. Um, some people have been exploiting that. And in due time, all of us believe that Windows will entirely be replaced by Linux um, underneath the hood, or so I predict. Uh, in any case, yes, Linux runs on Azure, and that's where Wiz, uh, cloud research aficionados, um, begin their hunt for more vulnerabilities. Uh, they've been really been giving Azure a hard time. Same with AWS, actually, between the DNS bugs and such. Um, as you're saying, they've been on a real tear. Yeah. So, okay, now on to the actual problem. So can you tell the fine people about... OMI and what it's supposed to be used for. Yes, yeah, so OMI is the Open Management Infrastructure, and it's uh, Azure's management interface that allows for like WMI type management on Linux, which WMI is the Windows Management Interface, allows for all kinds of management things. Um, it's open source and whatnot, OMI is um, rather. Uh, the abstraction makes it super easy to manage Linux boxes on Azure, and it's extensively used by any Azure service interacting with Linux-based machines. So this OMI is automatically installed on every single Linux instance. And you can think of it similarly to like AWS's management interface, which exposes itself on a certain port on VMs on EC2, lets you interact with the AWS services in your account, um, but also for the AWS console to interact with your box in some way. So it's kind of their uh, middleware management layer, if you want to think about it like that. Okay, so what went wrong? How did OMI go to Oh My God, which is a pretty good name as these things go i have to i have to admit yeah solid vulnerability name um they aren't always great but uh, this one is is perfect uh, so on linux agents specifically there's extensions in place for azure's omi uh, so these extensions are vulnerable to privilege escalation of the simplest order uh, see the omi runs as root um with no privilege restrictions so Wiz discovered that you could simply remove the authentication header when interacting with OMI, and it will let you run everything as root, uh, pretty much. But it's that easy and that big of a deal. This, I mean, yeah, this sort of sounds like <laughs> you barely even have to be a script kitty uh, for this one. So anyway, so how, I mean, how big overall is the exposure here? And how does one go about figuring out if one is vulnerable to this? Yeah, so it's comically bad. Uh, basically, everyone is exposed here. If you're running Linux on Azure, you're hosed or, or rather exposed. Uh, this would require some kind of local privileges on the box to exploit um, normally. And you can see that how this would get changed together um, by a user with minimal access to elevate themselves to root with these. Um, but they also discovered that at times the OMI is listening uh, remotely. So you can, um, this turns into an RCE pretty quickly from just a privilege escalation um, vulnerability before. It goes from regular to deluxe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I... Okay, but so if you're running Linux outside of Azure, uh, you're fine, right? Yeah, totally fine, as long as you're not using OMI, uh, which I'm not sure why you should be. Maybe um, there's someone out there who really likes managing uh, their Linux servers in a Windowsy way and has PowerShell for Linux as their main shell because they're a twisted individual. Um, but if those people exist, I don't want to know them. So they're asking for it, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So walk us through how would the vulnerabilities actually be exploited in a little more detail? So it's a simple HTTP request to the OMI agent um, with the authorization header removed. Uh, so HTTP has headers, as we know, that send additional information outside of the request to the server and from the server back to the client. So this can be authentication, um, different settings, uh, things like that. So HTTP authorization headers are a way to authenticate. Um, so basically, just don't tell it um, 
you know, who you want to authenticate it as, and it'll give you root access. It's as easy as that. So um, a realistic scenario where this might be exploited um, would be that, you know, you're hosting services on a machine using OMI, low privilege user finds some way to pass in, uh, you know, some unsanitized input to the machine, what we'd call a command injection. And then from there, they can simply call to the OMI over HTTP, uh, no auth header and get root. So this could be um, any number of ways, probably a few dozen other vulnerabilities that could allow someone to do this from outside the box. Unfortunately, even further here, like I said, though, some of these management interfaces are exposed to the internet. Um, and in that instance, we have an RCE situation, which is what we're seeing act actively being exploited by botnets and crypto miners right now. They're blanket hitting Azure, trying to find these exposed OIMs or OMIs rather, so they can get through. Um, so it's a massive mess. Um, and, and, you know, once they get through one box for initial access, if the other boxes um, allow OMI internally, uh, lateral movement is super easy. So it's basically, it's a mess. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're just sort of helping folks right through the kill chain there. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So, okay. How has Microsoft responded then? So their initial patch, um, according to Wiz, uh, was a failure, but they've now got that fixed. And then they've announced that September 22nd, they'll be forcing an update to all the OMIs with a proper patch. So good response from them. But with the active exploitation ongoing right now, uh, some people are once again having a very bad week. Yeah, there's been a few of those, and as well as the bad weekends, which I'm sure this was a bad weekend because uh, I, this thing dropped sometime, I don't know, middle to late last week. So I'm sure there were some weekends that were that were trashed. So, uh, so Chad, finally, is this the most glaring vulnerability you've seen this year? And why is your answer yes? <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the worst I've seen in a long time. I can't believe it wasn't caught sooner, actually, uh, considering that OMI is, I believe it's open source, so all, um, you know, developed in the open. Someone should have seen this. But I think it's such a simple exploit, you know, in air quotes there, that people didn't even think to look for it, perhaps. Uh, I'm really happy that Wiz has been doing this kind of cloud security work. They've really been shoring up um, cloud security, finding a lot of these, like, relatively simple vulnerabilities, if you want to call them that. Like the DNS one um, on a number of cloud services was very interesting uh, and should have been caught by those services sooner. So it, the work that Wiz is doing in the cloud security space, uh, cloud research space rather, reminds me of when Windows was just under a torrent of vulnerability research back in the day, and they really had to shape up their coding practices. Uh, I think the same thing's kind of happening for a bunch of these cloud services. Luckily, like we've talked about before, super easy to, you know, uh, well, not super easy, but at least it's managed by one company, they can go and just blanket update everything. Um, so when a vulnerability is found, it's fixed rather quickly versus sitting in the wild for a really long time. Um, but all in all, this is great for the cloud. So yeah, I keep making the nobody beats the whiz joke, because um, there's a store chain that used to be called that. But uh, and I heard probably 10,000 of their radio ads uh, <laughs> back when I lived in Connecticut. Um, but you know, I hadn't heard of Wiz.io until relatively recently. We started talking about um, something, some research that they had done, maybe, I want to say like about three episodes ago or something like that. But have, do you know, I mean, have you been familiar with these folks for a long time or Dan, uh, uh, you? I, because maybe I'm just late to the party, but uh, I hadn't, I don't remember hearing about them until sometime this summer. Yeah, same. Uh, I hadn't heard of them either. And um, they kind of, burst out with a lot of big vulnerabilities lately um, and kind of starting that whole discussion around, you know, cloud vulnerabilities and, and poking at those sorts of things, which, um, you know, not a lot of people 
were well, people were doing it, but it not this high profile, I think. Yeah, they've they've done a great job both with the research and with kind of getting it out there. So let's turn to our hoodie ratings. As longtime listeners know, we uh, rate each of the stories in its severity on a scale of zero to 10 hoodies, uh, where 10 hoodies is basically catastrophic and uh, life is going to change as we know it. So Dan, what's your score for this one? Yeah, so it's a, a very interesting one. Um, it, it sounds pretty serious and, and based on perhaps how trivial it may be to exploit. Uh, on a rookie score, as my first time guess, I, I would put it pretty high, maybe at around uh, nine, just because of that. Um, I guess between eight or a nine, because to, to Chad's point also, uh, because it can be remediated at scale and to all potential users at the same time, uh, perhaps eight might be uh, the score I give it. All right, eight it is. And Chad, what about you? What are you What are you giving this bad boy? I'd absolutely agree. You know, I'm not actually fully sure of how many um, OMIs are exposed to the grander internet. I know that several botnets have been, um, you know, blasting those uh, management interfaces, trying to find them on Azure. So if you know, I had some idea of how many might be being actively compromised. I might rate it a little bit higher, but just because it can be remediated and it sounds like it's mostly something that would require some sort of local access. Um, I'm going to go with an eight out of 10 and agree with Dan there. All right. Eights across the board. Well, we'll wait and find out what happens. And by the time we record the next one, we'll probably have a lot more info about this, but, uh, it certainly bears watching. So, uh, we we feel your pain if you are uh, subject to this particular vulnerability. Good luck out there. So moving on to our second story of the week. Buckle up. The captain has turned on the data theft sign. If you were looking at threat posts last week, you may have seen this story about credential harvesting in the airline industry, div- driven in part by the widespread availability of so-called IABs. So Dan Fernandez, can you give us some background on this story? Did this exploitation of airlines just start happening or has it been in progress for a while? Great question. So I was doing some research as we were looking at this one. And according to Eurocontrol, commercial airlines accounted for 61% of all detected aviation related cyber attacks uh, through 2020. And basically, they use data collected from uh, European Air Traffic Management Computer Emergency Response Team, and they have identified a total of 775 cyber attacks on airlines over the course of 2020, which is a significantly higher uh, than the next two aviation sectors combined, uh, just over 200 for aviation OEMs and 150 for airports. And this particular attack has been in flight, according to the researchers, for at least two years now. Um, the Cisco Talos uh, intelligence team linked uh, some of these recent aviation targeting campaigns to a specific actor who has not yet been confirmed, but that has been running successful malware campaigns across the board outside of aviation for more than five years now. Yeah, so it was interesting at first when you were describing that, I was thinking, well, uh, uh, 61% of these uh, attacks on airlines 
where else would they be going? But of course, you're right. You know, the aviation sector is huge and um, uh, manufacturers, airports, all kinds of uh, players involved in that. But but wow, this has been going on for a couple of years. So in the beginning, when I uh, introduced the story, I mentioned IABs and that being part of what's enabling this uh, ongoing theft of data to happen. So what does IAB stand for, Dan, and how does it fit into this story here? Yeah, so IAB stands for Initial Access Brokers, and um, ransomware gangs and other cyber criminals are increasingly buying their way into corporate networks, essentially. So you can think of this as a type of outsourcing for the initial compromise, which comes in the way of previously installed backdoors on specific targets. As it turns out, um, the division of labor just has made its way out of the assembly line and into cyberspace as well. And the particular actor behind uh, the airline industry attacks appears to be focusing on gathering as many victims as possible so that they can sell them to the highest bidder uh, for initial access. And the next party would then take that attack further. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, so, and this is kind of one of these, um, this is similar to the patterns that we see with ransomware all over the place where it's, it's kind of, there's layers of criminals involved in staging these attacks and sort of selling off, um, access and tooling and, and whatnot. So, Basically, uh, how hard are these exploits to pull off? Like, does the attacker need to have pretty elite skills to do this or uh, or not so much? Yeah, so because there's, it seems to be a little bit of optimization and specialization of like different uh, stages uh, of the attack. Uh, the actual, uh, this particular one is, is not that hard to pull off, so to speak. It's not really uh, that sophisticated uh, you don't have to be a lead hacks, hacker hacker. Uh, they use basically off-the-shelf uh, CyberGate malware without any further modifications. And then in some later samples, uh, they appear to have uh, replaced the CyberGate with async uh, RAT, uh, remote access Trojan. Uh, it is also thought that this was combined with some off-the-shelf cryptors uh, that allow the usage of this uh, commodity malware and still go undetected by, by some of the mechanisms that may be in place. Um, and actually one of the domains uh, spotted by the research team also indicates that the operators using a variant of uh, NJRAT, also known as Vata uh, Bindi, <laughs> hopefully I got that right. And, and based on passive DNS data, it is believed that the attacker is based out of Nigeria's uh, roughly 73% of the IPs connected to the infrastructure originate from there. Passive DNS for the win yet again. Um, so that's pretty interesting. So, okay, cool. So now uh, walk us through how this compromise actually unfolds, or at least I guess there's a lot of variations, but sort of a, a typical version of it. Yes, indeed. So they, they all seem to be a variation of a targeted phishing email that contains an attached uh, PDF file which is linked uh, to a VVS file hosted on Google Drive. Um, some of the emails that were uh, shared in the research include uh, invitations to industry events, as well as uh, quotes or communications related uh, to private jet flights and other uh, general communications. Uh, 
in general, they are aviation themed and making mentions also of trip itineraries, flight routing details, and cargo details. Once this PDF is downloaded and opened by the victim, the final remote access Trojan is encrypted and is dropped into the victim's computer. Um, the script is the SNP3 cryptor, which is under active development and is also offered as a cryptor as a service scheme. Uh, so the attack can potentially translate uh, into the spying of the victims who system is accessed, uh, you know, monitoring their behavior, potentially exfiltration of data, credentials, screenshots, clipboards, you know, the whole gamut, even webcam data is, as well. So pretty broad scope um, spyware going on here. Yuck. Well, you mentioned um, passive DNS briefly. So is there infrastructure that's involved with this campaign that somebody could investigate with? Oh, I don't know. Say they had some sort of purpose-built DNS OSINT investigation tool. That would be a pretty handy thing to be able to have. Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so th there were actually a, a few different uh, domains uh, that were shared, but the, the main one uh, was uh, linkpc.net and specifically uh, the subdomain akconsult.linkpc.net, uh, which was being used as a command and control server for, the, for this particular aviation campaign. Um, this is what was hosting the async rat payload. Uh, and because the server was using TLS to encrypt the command and control traffic, uh, the researchers were able to use that same certificate fingerprint and found eight more subdomains that were linked to the campaign, as well as uh, 50 malware samples. Um, a lot of the subdomains were using a managed DNS as a service, so that means that they could uh, probably recreate infrastructure uh, pretty fast or just like uh, let it burn as it is. And analysis of the activity associated with the domain reveals that this actor has used several uh, remote access Trojans and that since 2018, uh, there have been samples seen that are communicating uh, with this particular domain name and uh, also indicate that the adversary wanted to target the aviation industry. Got it. Okay. Well, you know, we're always, I mean, being domain tools, we're always talking about how if you can expand from uh, one piece of one indicator out to others, you can get a better sense of the whole campaign. And so it certainly sounds like something that Talos was doing as they investigated this thing. So, yeah, so this is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So what do you think, Dan, about the prospects for getting this thing cleaned up? And, and also for those of us that are flying around, is there anything we should be doing to protect ourselves against this stuff? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, if, if you're in a corporate network, the, the vendors from your organization can, can probably identify uh, network traffic uh, to this indicators that, that we mentioned and, and try to clean any system that has had traffic associated with this particular indicators. Um, as, as it is often mentioned, the key is uh, for users specifically with targeted phishing uh, and specifically to employees in this industry to be alert about suspicious email messages and specifically about attachments that may be part of those messages and trying to avoid downloading or running, uh, you know, malicious files or anything that is not that familiar to you. Yeah. So kind of that phishing awareness 
101 type stuff, but always important. Um, so cool. Well, uh, anything else to add about this one? Yeah, I think the the very interesting part of this one is that the market for web cookies, uh, tokens, credentials, et cetera, is, is very valuable. And as the tools become easier to access, this type of attack could continue to spread uh, into other industries, perhaps. And because these threat actors tend to fly under the radar, uh, they may often hide in plain sight. So just don't wing your personal cybersecurity would be my my piece of advice. And uh, I'll just stop making bad plain jokes now because they'll they never seem to land. <laughs> Dan, you are a natural at breaking badness. Oh, Kelsey will be so happy. Uh, for those who don't know, Kelsey's Twitter handle is puns and roses. That's with two S's on the end. So you're fitting right in here. Uh, that was awesome. All right. So on to the hoodie ratings. Chad, what do you think about this one? What are you gonna What are you gonna rate this? You know the problem with. Um initial access brokers is uh, just growing, as Dan was saying, that division of labor is happening. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, selling of credentials on the market for that. It's huge. Uh, there's also, you know, of course, there's some um, money being offered up for people that are uh, willing to just sell out their own organizations since insider threats are uh, pretty dangerous. So, you know, I I think we're just seeing this market grow. Uh, if you're monitoring any forums or things, so uh, yeah, this is this is a huge problem. Um, and async rad, of course, uh, is pretty effective. It's you know little C sharp bit. Um, it's open source. It's out there. A lot of people using that um, as well as in JRAT. So you know, certainly effective um, tools being used. And this is all stuff that's just commodity, I guess. It's just out there. So um, with that all said, I'd rate it as like a, you know, seven out of 10, but um, only because they aren't doing anything super malicious yet, uh, other than gathering credentials and tokens and whatnot. But um, there's the potential for a lot of problems there. So uh, yeah, that's probably where I'd sit. Seven hoodies today and a chance of increase down the road. We will see. Dan, what about you? What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think uh, Chad summed it up pretty well. Um, uh, what I see here is that the potential uh, for much larger attacks, and uh, I guess I'll put a little bit more weight on that future state, unfortunately, the way this thing's kind of turn out. So I'll probably give it an eight also. Eight out of 10 it is. All right. So pretty high hoodie ratings overall this week. It's been another one of those weeks in cybersecurity. I guess that's the way it is. Well, we need some levity on the scene. So let's shift to the the one recurring segment that we have on Breaking Badness, Two Truths and a Lie. If you uh, ever were a child, then you probably played this game. Um, we play this game cybersecurity style. So the person designated as the... Uh, truth and lie teller will give us three statements, three headlines from cybersecurity news, two of which are true and one of which is a blatant falsehood, but actually they're pretty subtle falsehoods. Um, we've gotten collectively pretty decent at fooling each other on this game. Dan, you know, not only is this your first time out on Breaking Badness, and it's it's great to have you here, uh, but also, we threw more at you by making you uh, putting you in charge of two truths in a lie. So, are you ready with your statements this week? 
yes, I'm ready. And uh, I try to have some uh, fun here. So hopefully my, my subtle changes are uh, enough to trick you guys into picking uh, the wrong one. So yeah, I mean, so the, the three headlines for this week are Travis CI Flaw Exposes Secrets of Thousands of Open Source Projects. The next one is Google Issues Urgent Updates to Fix New Zero-Day Linked to Pegasus Spyware. And the last one is Critical Bug Reported in NPM Package with Millions of Downloads Weekly. So that's it. So you totally got this because, yeah, those all... Those all sound entirely plausible and um, and unfortunate. So I think I might have an idea of which one I'm going to go with. Chad, what do you think? Hmm. I feel like the vagueness of the NPM package one is what uh, calls out to me. But I mean, it's also pretty regular that a critical bug in an NPM package uh, with millions of downloads weekly. Uh, so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. That's gonna be my my guess on the lie because I uh, I'm feeling it. I honestly don't really know, um, and I'm gonna do what I do sometimes, which, which I think doesn't, by the way, help me score more points in this game. So. Uh, I, I'm not entirely in it for, I'm not entirely in it to win it. I have other emotional responses to this game. And, and this is an example of this because I am hoping that the new zero day link to Pegasus spyware is the lie because I just don't want that to be the case. So, but that's just emotion speaking, but I'm going with it. So, all right, Dan, how did we do? Yeah, so you actually got that one right. Um, I subtly changed the headline from Apple to Google. <laughs> so that one was the the lie, but it did happen just in a different platform, unfortunately. So I have mixed feelings then because, you know, I am glad that I got a point on two truths and a lie. And I'm, I'm really sad that there's yet another zero day. I, I remember an Apple one, but I wonder if this is yet another one. Uh, compared to the one I was thinking of. So awesome job. This is, uh, we will be updating the scores for those of you who read the blogs that we publish along with our episodes, the show notes, if you will, we have a running tally of our scores in Two Truths and a Lie. So Dan Fernandez, thank you so much for coming on Breaking Badness this week. It was great to have you here. I'm sure we'll uh, have you on as a guest again down the road. Um, and Chad, uh, as always, awesome, uh, awesome answers on these stories that we had this week. So any uh, closing thoughts, reactions, pontifications, schemes, dreams, jokes, ideas uh, from either of you before we close today? Yeah, it was it was uh, great to join. Uh, had a lot of fun during this one. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome having you, Dan. And um, for anyone listening, highly recommend giving Dan a follow on Twitter. Uh, we'll, I would assume, have his handle in uh, the show notes, he does a lot with uh, data and security and some great posting for you. All right. So true. Uh, yes. Give Dan a, a follow. I can confirm good stuff out there. Thanks, Chad and Dan. And thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, Breaking Badness this week. We will be coming at you next week with episode 98. Can't believe we're getting this close to triple digits for Breaking Badness. So, that's a wrap for us. Thanks again. 
That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at DomainTools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>